0: Love, talk, radio. Hi everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. It is Friday, October thirtieth, day before Halloween. Um again Friday, so hopefully uh everybody's in a good mood uh listening to uh the podcast today. But this is one we've we've been saving for a while, one I'm really excited to get to as we continue our uh our season preview series and that is our breakdown of the maryland terrapins this is a uh a team that's projected by most to be in the top five virtually everyone to be in the top 10 this season it's a uh, extremely loaded roster extremely talented team um (coughs) excuse me uh just a lot to like about this team obviously you know last year Generally predicted to be near the bottom of the conference coming in, Uh, Maryland coming off a few underwhelming years. They not only make the NCAA tournament, but they finished second in the Big Ten, which uh, again, I believe they were predicted like 10th in the Big Ten, so clearly exceeded preseason expectations. They win their first NCAA tournament game. Um, They get knocked out against West Virginia. Uh, There's a little drama in that game. You know, Melo Trimble uh, went out with injury, but, uh, but overall a very great year last year, they bring back the majority of the team. They lose Des Wells, but otherwise very talented roster coming back. They bring in some massive off season additions and, and really, you know, again, the, the roster looks loaded and it looks like it could be a, a very exciting year uh, for the Terps, but, to help us break down uh, Maryland, we have Andrew Emmer from uh, Tostito Times with us. Andrew, how's it going? Good. good. How's it going, guys? Good. Good. Excited to uh, to chat a little Maryland this morning. <laughs> up up a little early, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, obviously, I was talking a little bit about you know they had a good year last year, adding a lot this year. What what are kind of the general perceptions on Maryland about the season uh, and where the Terps are headed?
1: I think that among fans, this is sort of a very weird year because we go from a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, no one was quite sure what to expect. Everyone knew that uh, there was five transfers, but there was also still a lot of talent in the program, and then they rolled off 28 regular season wins, uh, got to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Really one of the best years in Maryland history, and clearly the last 10 years, I think the, the best year that they've had and uh they've only gone up from there, adding Robert Carter Jr., Rashid Suleiman, Diamond Stone, uh, Jalen Brantley. And fans are just like completely ecstatic. Like nobody expects anything less than a, a League Eight or a Final Four. And Maryland fans in almost any sport besides like soccer
0: and field hockey are do not go into season expect a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh you know, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people thinking of them as a, a top five team, maybe even a national contender or championship contender, I should say. Uh, I know in the odds, I'm not sure if it's still there, but, you know, in the Vegas odds, they were the favorite early on. So uh, clearly a lot of excitement uh, for the Terps. But um, but with that, why don't we jump into the roster here? Um, a lot to talk about, a lot of talented players. Uh, why don't we start with the backcourt where Mellow Trimble comes back, expected to be a potential Big Ten Player of the Year candidate, um, and a lot of talent around him. What do you see out of the backcourt this year for Maryland? Well, Triple's obviously the guy. Uh, He was,
1: in my mind, the second-best freshman in the Big Ten last year, besides D'Angelo Russell. I think in any other year, if D'Angelo Russell didn't exist, he would have been the runaway pick for freshman of the year in the conference. Uh, And he was really one of the best freshmen in all of college basketball. If you look at, like, you know, the, if you are a recruiting person, you follow the recruiting rankings, all the top freshmen last year were five-star recruits, besides Mel Trimble, who was a five-star on some boards, but, but mostly was uh, considered, like, a top-30 recruit. Definitely not the elite, elite level like Julio Okafor or Tyus Jones, but he had as good of a year as any of those guys. And uh, he is the, the key to the Maryland offense. He is what uh, Mark Turgeon has been looking for in a point guard for five years. He is – I think he's a top three-point guard in the country with Chris Dunn and uh, and maybe Marcus Page, depending on how you think about Marcus Page. Um, so he is the key there. But he's never played in the backcourt with another player that can handle the ball. I mean, this goes back to, to high school, too. Like, I I watched him in high school when I used to live in D.C. and And he was the entire offense at his O'Connell team. Uh, but now he has Rashid Suleiman, Dion Wiley, and uh and you can call Jared Nickens a, a two, I guess, and Jalen Brantley. Um Suleiman obviously everybody knows from when he was at Duke and he had an incredible uh freshman season, but his numbers went down every season after that. Uh that was partially due to being over recruited, uh, by guys like Grayson Allen, Tyus Jones, uh Jabari Parker took some of his shots at that, that his sophomore year. Uh, and he, and to his own admission, he was a bad teammate. He admitted that. He said that in, in articles with Jeff Goodman, and other media members, that he was really over recruited, and uh, that he didn't wasn't the star of the team like he thought he should be. So he is a fresh start. We'll see how that goes. Um, if anyone watched the Maryland West Virginia game in the second round of, of the tournament last year, uh, the West Virginia really bodied Mello, and and ended up knocking him out of the game with a concussion. Um, and once that was that was like without ten minutes left in the game. And once he was out, Maryland had no shot anymore. Des Wells was right in the point. Des Wells is an incredible player, but was not a point guard. He turned the ball over like eleven times. Uh, so a big deal for Maryland this offseason was finding a backup point guard they can trust. So when Mellow gets rest and when Melo, if he gets injured for any period of time, they're not completely up the creek. And that's Jalen Brantley, who is a junior college transfer. He was originally a four star recruit coming out of Massachusetts. He played on the AAU team with Jake Lehman, Nurlands Noel, George Niang, Michael Carter Williams, and he was a point guard of that team and actually led that team in scoring at some AAU events. So he's he's a pretty good player in his own right, but he had some academic troubles when he went to Marshall. Uh never played at Marshall sat out a year, then went to Odessa Community College in Texas for a year and is now at Maryland. Um by all accounts his grades are up. He's he's a very good teammate. Uh these guys all have Snapchats and Instagrams and, and, and all the fans follow them. And he is like <laughs> the social media king. Everyone loves Jalen Brantley. We don't know how good of a player he is per se. He's got a good pedigree. Uh, he's apparently a very good shooter and a good passer. Um, but no one's really seen him in a competitive environment yet. So no one's quite sure how he is. We do know that he will be the backup point guard for Trimble, And that's a role that he's embracing. Uh, and then... Uh, Rashid Suleiman will get some, some ball handling duties as well. And then there's Deion Wiley, who was uh, – when he committed to Maryland a, a few years ago, he was actually a higher-rated recruit than Melo Trimble. He was a, like a consensus five-star, and he had some injuries his senior year, and uh, kind of that dropped him down a little bit. He was a little bit out of shape last year. But uh, he's been brought up a lot by Mark Turgeon as a, uh, a guy who's improved a lot this year, got his body right. Um He's a dynamic player. He can handle the ball pretty well. He's very creative. He's supposed to be a good shooter. He didn't shoot a great percentage last year, but he is, he is supposed to be the reputation as a good shooter. Uh, so it's really pretty stacked backcourt. Um, but like everything else in Maryland, it comes down to Melo Trimble. If he's not clicking, it's going to be really hard for them to run their offense because no one else is really a pure, pure playmaking uh, pass, you know, a good passer, a good shooter. He's the entire key to the backcourt.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Trimble is set to be one of the best players in the Big Ten and, and really the entire country, and he looks to have, uh, you know, Maryland's going to kind of ride with him. Um, But w- one of the questions I, I did have, you know, specifically regarding Trimble is, you know, one of the things you hear a lot is, you know, a guy comes in, he may have a high ceiling, he may have a low ceiling, and um, obviously Trimble came in, played really well. How much better can Trimble get? Can he get better, or do you kind of expect similar numbers to what he had last year. So with Trimble, I think that's a really good question because, sorry,
1: he does not have a top end athleticism uh, of like what you would expect out of the top point guards in the country. Uh, I I don't even know if he can dunk to be honest. I've never seen him dunk in person. I I don't, there's, you know, there's kind of a joke around the Maryland locker room that, that he can't dunk. He claims he can dunk. We don't know. Uh, He has other (laughs) athleticism. Like he's quick. He's a, a good first step. He's, uh, good with the ball in his hands and went you know around the basket, kind of making circus shots. But he will always be hampered by that. And that's probably why he didn't. He wasn't a one and done player, uh, which which he probably could have been, but he he wasn't going to go in the top fifteen or something because he just doesn't have that sort of athleticism. But he he definitely can improve as a player. Uh, Mark Turgeon and, and and actually Mello himself has pointed out that his defense last year was not very good, uh, and that he said. Both Turgeon and, and, and Trimble said that was out of necessity. They had nobody else at point guard. So, Turgeon said that he told Melo, don't get yourself in foul trouble because if you're in foul trouble, we're screwed. And uh, we, don't, like, we don't have anyone else that can handle the ball. So, he was passed about defense last year. With Jalen Brantley and, Sh- and Suleiman and maybe even Wiley, that's not so much of a problem this year. So, he's probably going to be more aggressive with, the, with um, on defense. And uh, when he was aggressive last year, he did come up with a lot of steals which is which would be really nice for this team to get in transition off the field and Trimble. Um he he seems to have pretty good hands on, on defense when he does try. And then the other thing he definitely needs to improve on is as a passer and as a facilitator. I don't think he averaged like three assists last year, which is fine, but not what you want out of a potential, you know, national or big ten player of the year or, you know, all American point guard. He needs to to get that assist numbers up enough again somebody he is he's stressed in, in interviews so far this off season. And uh that shouldn't be too difficult with the talent around him. Uh last year when he was dumping the ball into the post, it was to John Graham, who I love, but John Graham is not, you know, a prolific finisher around the rim. Uh uh DeMonte Dodd is a very, very good defensive player, but again, not a, a great off a post offensive player. So so he didn't have a ton of options. Um and and uh, Des Wells was more of an ISO player. Uh so his, his assist
0: number should go up and that'll be very important for this, for this team going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, that'll definitely be interesting to watch and, you know, we'll see how it, uh, it ends up for the Terps, but, uh, but moving on to the, uh, to the wing, um, Jake women's back, uh, decided to forego the NBA draft to come back to Maryland. Uh, what, what do you see out of the wing group this year for Maryland? So going into this off season after last year, um, for Maryland to have been great this year,
1: clearly they they needed to have Mello back. But, but a lot of fans, a lot are, fans are a lot of fans are a, are a little bit iffy in- in- about in- Jake, in- Jake, Jake Lehman because Layman. he seems to disappear sometimes in games, uh and, and especially in big games and towards the end of the year. But I, I was of the opinion that for Maryland to be truly great this year, they needed to have Jake Lehman. Uh he is a matchup nightmare. He's a six nine athletic wing that can shoot from deep. Uh, he can get hot, can take over games when he when he wants to. But it's it's imperative that he's more aggressive, and he really takes on the the responsibility of being a senior. And he's will be the first player and the only player at Maryland to have played for Martirio for four years. Um, he he is another with Trimble. He's another key to the offense. Uh, if, if he is cutting to the basket, if he's been more being more aggressive, if he's hitting his shots from deep. It really opens everything up for Trimble to drive into the inside and for the big guys to work around the paint. Um, the problem with Maryland's wing, and I think this would be the only like like true weakness on the team, is that there's not a ton of depth um, behind Layman. There's Jared Nickens, who is a, an excellent, excellent spot-up shooter, and showed even a little bit of potential at being able to make shots for himself, although not a ton. Uh, but he's the only wing guy, and he's he's only about six 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 seven, and not. Big. He, he's pretty. He's pretty scrawny guy. Uh, so he's not the same sort of player as Lehman at all. And uh, and Mark Terrigan has said in during this offseason that he wants to stay big as much as possible this year because he sees that as their biggest advantage. So that means that you really have to have Lehman play three almost every minute of the game, uh, and he played mostly in the four last year, which probably improved his game and sort of comes you know is uh, works with our like the evolving world of basketball going small. You saw, like, Draymond Green playing center in the finals last year. So Jake Lamb at the four was a pretty effective uh, effective tool last year. But throughout the season, he got a little bit worn down, and I think him playing exclusively at the three is going to uh, to help him um, be consistent throughout the year. But, but that, I would say, is, is Maryland's biggest weakness, if you can really call it a weakness. Uh, it's a depth at the wing. They have players, and they're two pretty different players, which is nice. Uh, yeah, but that's – it's really lame and robust at the wing.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and obviously, you know, experienced player expecting the senior leader to, to take over, so that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, finally, moving into the front court, uh, a lot of excitement, some newcomers, a very different look this year for Maryland up front. Uh, what do you see out of Maryland in the front court this year? So, I think the front court, in my, for my money, goes from Maryland's biggest weakness last year to,
1: uh, I think, their biggest strength. They they bring in two uh, former five star recruits. Diamond Stone is a freshman who obviously they, they, they picked out of Wisconsin. Uh, if Drew Hammond is listening to this, suck it, Drew. You got him. You guys couldn't keep him in Wisconsin. Maybe if you had moved to Under Armour a year earlier, you could have, but you didn't
0: uh so he is
1: i think he was he was a top ten recruit. i think the second highest rated center in the country behind scala visier uh he's a f- complete and total force in the paint he can even step out in his jumpers but he is he does have jaleel okafor like like moves in the paint he's not quite as as crisp as okafor but he's got that that skill around the basket to create his own shot to make guys look silly um which is a Sort of an old-school style of basketball, but a style that very few players in the NCAA are going to have. So that's going to give Maryland a huge advantage. Uh, the biggest thing with, with Stone was uh, getting his conditioning right. He sort of had a weird body in high school, um, a little bit flabby, but also skinny at the same time. But that was one of the biggest draws to get into Maryland was Maryland's strength and conditioning coach, Kyle Tart, who, um, if you follow recruiting, has been brought up in a lot of reasons that recruits have come to Maryland because uh, he's one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country, and um, uh, from what I've seen, there, it, it's been a, they've done a lot in the few months he's been on campus. Uh, Turchin said that the last two practices they had were his best, uh, and he's been struggling on defense, which is to be expected of young big men in the NCAA, but his offense is there. It, it, it's fantastic. It's what's going to probably make him a top-ten pick in the, in the NBA draft, if not this year, then next year. Um, I do think he ends up being a two-year player, but that's down the road a little bit. Um, and then there's Robert carter Tringer who's besides Mel Trimble, my favorite player on the team, and the guy I think is going to be the second-best player on the team. When he was at Georgia Tech, he was a double-double machine. He had some injury issues but uh, and and some uh, conditioning issues. But I remember as a freshman, Maryland went down to Georgia Tech and, and played Robert Carter Robert Carter's team there. And, and it was a really big game for Maryland. It was a game that they couldn't lose if they wanted to make the tournament. And Carter, I think, has like 19 points and 15 rebounds and just absolutely des- destroyed them. Uh, and I was bummed because he was a guy coming out of high school I really wanted Maryland to get. He ended up staying home in Georgia Tech and after two years transferred to Maryland, sound out net- last year. And uh, just like Diamond Stone, he completely changed his body during the offseason. He looks like a physical freak now. Um, and he's apparently also one of the biggest leaders on the team, but he's. He's a guy who will – he's one of the best defensive rebounders in the country when he played uh, at Georgia Tech. Uh, I think, like, literally top five or top ten in almost every rebounding category. Besides, he's not a great offensive rebounder because he tends to drift a little bit. Um, but he is a really, really good defensive rebounder and a very dynamic offensive player. He can play around the basket, but he's a little bit more of a mid-range player, and, and he likes to shoot threes at Georgia Tech. He, he had a very bad percentage, like 25% from three on a lot of attempts. Uh, but if you ask any of the coaches, any of the players, he's training threes in practice. He is really using that as part of his arsenal now as like a true stretch four. Um I don't know if you listen to the CBS Sports Ion College basketball podcast, but Gary Parrish has been really hyping up Carter. He said that he was talking to a former division one coach who was at Maryland's practice recently. And he said that Carter is going to be the best player on Maryland's team. Now, I don't believe that because I still think that's, that's Trimble. But in terms of most surprising and maybe most, the biggest force on the team, I could see it being Carter. I, I, I'm in love with him as a player. I think he's really going to be a real – I think he's going to be a first or second team All-Big Ten player. Uh, and I think he might even go pro after. I think there's a better chance that Robert Carter Jr. goes pro after this year than Diamond Diamondstone. Um, and then backing those two guys up, Clayton. Not, actually, I should not say that. I shouldn't say backing them up. I, I don't think Stone is going to start at center like most expect. I think it's going to be DeMonte Dodd, who is uh, a junior out of the eastern shore of Maryland, which is a place that no basketball talent ever comes from. Uh, that's like sort of like if you've been to Ocean City, Maryland, it's even further down the shore than that, where, where he's from. Um, he is a big, athletic, uh, uh, like 6'11, uh jumping bean center. He played a lot for Maryland last year, had some really good games, had some bad games, got a lot of foul trouble. But if you ask any person on the Maryland coaching staff who's been the most improved player this offseason, they'll all say Demonte Dodd. Um, and he, and Mar- Mark Turgeon even thinks that he might be the best defensive player in the country. Now, that's obviously a play, a coach hyping up his own player, but he uh, Dodd really has the ability to do that. He's a great, great rim protector. He might have been the second best rim protector in the Big Ten last year, uh, behind AJ Hammonds, um, AJ Hammond? Hammonds, I don't remember. Um,
0: yeah, Hammonds.
1: <laughs> Hammon. Um, uh, Hammonds. <laughs> the problem with him, yeah, the problem with him is is, is foul trouble, uh, and I and I think that he fits with the Maryland starting lineup a little bit more than Stone. Stone's a great offensive player, but Maryland has four other guys who can really score the ball, and they're already set in their offense in their starting offense. Um, so I think that a a really good defensive rim protector will fit with that unit when where DeMonte Dodd can come off the bench, get a plenty of minutes himself, and maybe even play crunch time, uh, and and be able to to lead that that second unit in scoring. And then the last big man is Michael Shikovsky, who's a seven foot one uh European player who didn't play a ton last year, but had some big moments. He really helped Maryland shut down the two best bigs. Me, the two best bigs they played last year, Frank Kaminsky and George Niang, Turgeon, through Tchaikovsky on both those players to cover them. He did a pretty good job with his length. Um, he's still a work in progress. In a year or two, he might be a really, really good player. I'm not sure exactly where he falls right now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know I you you stole my my question right out from under me with that uh, the college basketball podcast there, but uh, yeah, you know Robert Carter, I I truly believe is one of the most overlooked people this season, especially because, you know, I've noticed – I don't want to get too far into the predictions quite yet, but, um, you know, the people who seem to be kind of downplaying Maryland, I feel like don't realize Robert Carter's either there or set to be a really good player. So definitely a guy to watch um, and definitely a guy who, you know, at least according to, you know, the rumor mill – could be Maryland's best player. So. <laughs> uh-huh. so,
1: so one of the biggest memes around the Maryland fan base this year has been when, in the last few months, when all of these uh, like prediction and and perspective and uh, and all these articles have been coming out, and obviously Maryland was mentioned a bunch because they're one of the best teams in the country. Uh, if if that article doesn't mention Robert Carter Jr., Maryland fans get very upset and basically say it's it's trash and and you shouldn't even bother reading it. And uh, I, I don't go that far, but I I think that he's going to be incredible. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of really good uh, bigs coming into the league this year with Caleb Swanigan, Thomas Bryant, Diamond Stone. Um, I think he's going to be the best. I think better than any other freshman. freshmen. I, I really think that he is, he is going to be the best new big in the Big Ten this year. And if, unless you want to go with, like, Richard Cillemont or or Aaron Harris, uh, he might be
0: the best new addition to the Big Ten this year. Wow. Yeah. Bold, bold statement. So we'll, we'll have to see, you know, how that holds up. I know, I know Maryland fans gave us a lot of grief because uh, um, he was in our almost top 25. He didn't quite make it into our top 25 this year uh, from our <laughs> Raiders, like, So like, <laughs>
1: When he was interviewed at, when he was interviewed at media day, um, at Maryland media day, he says he, he understands why people forgot about him. He was a chubby Kid with injury issues at Georgia Tech hasn't played for an entire year, and Maryland was really good last year. So it's not, you know, it's it's not, it's not, it's not that ridiculous that he's been he's been forgotten by a lot of people. Um, but if you were around the Maryland program at all or, or follow Maryland, like even throughout all of last year, Turgeon was saying, just wait till we get Robert. Just like wait, wait till Robert comes, and uh, and he's gonna he's we'll, we'll see. Literally a week from today, Maryland plays an exhibition game. So we'll see what it's like on, on the, on
0: the court. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely excited. I know Iowa played last night and it's it's that time of the year. <laughs> but, uh, but with that, why don't, why don't we jump in? I know we've talked about, I believe them all, but I was um, Maryland's adding a lot of newcomers this year. And for fans who don't follow recruiting as closely, or, you know, as we just detailed the transfer market, uh, who does Maryland have coming in who to watch? Um, and particularly, you know, was Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll just save that. But who, who who's coming in and who to watch for uh, for the Terps this year?
1: So there's Rasheed Suleiman, who's obviously a graduate transfer from Duke. Robert Carter Jr., who we were just talking about, um, sat out last year, but was a transfer from Georgia Tech. He's going to be a junior. And then in terms of, of freshmen, um, there's Diamond Stone, who was a five-star freshman out of Wisconsin, and Jalen Bradley, the JUCO, me, the, the, the JUCO transfer. Originally from Massachusetts, transferred from a, a community college in, in Texas. Uh, and that's it for Maryland's recruiting. I mean, th- there is Yvonne Bender, who's sort of the mystery man at Maryland. He he came to Maryland halfway through last year, recovering from an ACL injury. Uh, he is also Eastern European. I think he's Croatian. His brother, Dragon Bender, is like this Uber prospect. This, this guy who might be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft. He was actually younger than him. Uh, but even Yvonne, is, is no one really knows much about him because no one's really seen him play, um, and he's probably the last. I don't even know if he's going to get any minutes this year. But but he's a, like a stretch for he's very skinny. Um, that's that's basically it. I don't. I really have nothing more to add about Yvonne Bender. Uh, <laughs> and that Maryland had a very small recruiting class next last year, and that's a little bit by design. They didn't really need to add much. Uh, and, and Mark Turgeon's been really active on the transfer wire every single year he's been at Maryland, starting with Des Wells, uh, Evan Smartrich, Robert Carter, Rashid Suleiman, uh, uh, John Graham. And even for next year's recruiting class, Maryland only has two guys committed. They're both four-star backcourt guys. And uh, that might be – I mean, they, they might get another, another big man for, net, for 2016, but, but they're just going to be active on the transfer market again.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and and the question I kind of held off on was, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the attention, you know, as we said, you know, maybe more of it should be on Carter and less on Stone, but a lot of the attentions on Stone, it seems like a lot of people are kind of pegging him as that difference maker for the Terps. Um, First, do you think he can live up to that hype? And, you know, how good can he be? I know some people are talking about him as a potential all Big Ten player, you know, do you see that kind of potential in Stone this year?
1: I see it in him. I don't know about this year. Uh, I think Diamond Stone is one of the. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Um, he's one of those guys who the national media and, and the media, everyone outside of Maryland, pegs as this uber prospect, this guy who's going to be the difference maker, maybe the best player in Maryland this year. But Maryland fans aren't expecting that much from him. Uh, not because he's not a great player, but because the team is so good and. They don't particularly need him to be Jaleel Okafor or uh, or even what's the, what Kentucky is going to ask at a scale of the CA. Um, he just needs to be a good offensive player, a mismatch for the opposing team, uh, you know, hold his own on defense and do what's asked of him. Uh, but it's the rare top ten five-star, you know, huge recruit who who Maryland you're like, I think will score like like eight points a game. Maybe like six, <laughs> ten, ten, eight points a game. Maybe five, six rebounds a game in, in twenty minutes a game, uh, twenty-five maybe. Um, whereas the national media is like, this guy could be a top five pick. This guy, it looks like Joey really Loco for you. he's to give you this, the the spoon that stirs the drink for Maryland. And I, I don't see that this year. I think that I think that he's gonna have a good year this year. And I do think he's gonna end up coming back as a sophomore. And I think that as a sophomore, he's gonna be a potential, you know, big-time player of the year type guy. Um, but but I think that's going to take him a little bit of time to really adjust and really kind of hone
0: his craft. You know, it, it it reminds me, you know, not to get too off topic, but it reminds me a lot of Michigan's team in 2012-13 when they, uh, they had Trey the Burke that and I've been had Tim Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the team that, that,
1: that I've been pointing to about for this team. That that this Maryland team looks a lot like that team.
0: hmm Yeah, and and that team, you know, as anybody who watched that team knew, Trey Burke was the player on that team, and along with the second best player was Tim Hardaway Jr. And everyone before the year was like, oh, you know, Mitch McGarry, five-star recruit, you know, Michigan, you know, took him away from Duke. He's going to be the guy to you know carry the Wolverines and. Really, you know, he was the key piece that kind of pushed him over the top in the NCAA tournament. But um, but really, you know, it was that backcourt. And I kind of see the same thing here. And, you know, conveniently enough, as a kind of a, a related note, McGarry also had sort of conditioning concerns coming into his first year as well. And it sort of took him a couple months before he started getting uh, getting rolling. So some you interesting know, that, similarities.
1: <laughs> that that Michigan team and that Miss Maryland team have a lot more similarities than that. Like even like Trey Burke was a, fairly highly touted recruit who was so much better than everyone thought as a, as a freshman and then kind of semi surprisingly came back as a sophomore as a player of the year. Sounds a lot like Mel Trimble. Uh, uh, they have a really good wing who is maybe not the, is not a perfect player and can disappear at times, but is what he's on is a really good player. Tim Hardaway Jr. Jake Layman. They have a, a highly recruited, you know, five-star big man, Mitch McGarry, Stone, um, uh, and they, they have a lot of other solid big men. You had, like, John Horford. And who was the other big man? On the uh, Jordan game? Morgan
0: was the was the big one.
1: Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. So who, who were good, who were very good players, but not, you know, uber prospects. Um, and they they had, like, a little, small backup point guard who could come in and tell <laughs> stuff that wasn't, you know, a great player in Spike Albrecht. And, and Jalen Bradley is probably a lot like Spike Albrecht.
0: Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very
1: similar team, and if and Maryland ends up in the national champ- championship
0: game, so it'll be it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Turp fans would be all right with that. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but yeah, I, I guess moving on, I, I had a few other just uh, minor questions here before as we move on to the uh, my last couple of things, but um, but one of the interesting dynamics that's going to be different for Maryland, obviously, this year is this is the first year I'd say in a long, you know, maybe I'm inaccurate here, but the first time in a long time that there are serious expectations on this team. Uh, You know, as I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, Maryland was predicted like 10th in the big 10 last year. Obviously they massively overachieved that they had expectations late in the year, but coming into the season, it was kind of a, you know, anything they did better than that was just kind of gravy. And, but this year, you know, fans are expecting, you know, a real contending year for the big 10 title for the final four uh how does that change things and do you think this this team has you know the leadership and the consistency to to overcome those concerns
1: i mean it's it's definitely changed the outlook of the fan base um Maryland fans in the past have sort of been pretty pessimistic and are not totally sure uh you know we they would come into the year and be like oh everything's going to go wrong and it's going to we're we're going to underachieve and and <laughs> we're not going to make the tournament and we'll be lucky to make the tournament Uh, But this is really the most expectations that they've had since 2002 year where they came in. I think they were fourth in the country after going to the final four and then they've won the national title. But that team was a little bit different because it was full of seniors and full of of upperclassmen uh, with like Steve Blake and and Juan Dixon, Chris Wilcox, Lonnie Baxter, Byron Mouton. Um, But this is clearly the best team since then. Clearly there's, there's no doubt about this is the best team since then. And, uh, I don't know how Maryland fans are really going to react, like, game to game. Um, like, I don't know. if Like, if they're down by seven to, I don't know, uh, Mount St. Mary's after after ten minutes on the first game of the season, like, I mean, plenty of good teams have bad stretches in, in the first few weeks. Like, like, I don't know if Maryland fans on Twitter are going to be, like, overrated, we should never have believed, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that's going to happen or if they're going to, be patient. I, I tend to think the former. Uh, I think Maryland fans are really, really expecting this team to be a Final Four team at the minimum, uh, but that's not really how college basketball works. And uh, they're probably going to end up losing some games they shouldn't lose. I mean, Wisconsin lost to Rutgers. But, um, uh, didn't Duke lose lose to Miami last year?
0: Um, like a like
1: a bad Miami team. I want to
0: say I, I want to say they lost to a couple like underwhelming teams in January. If I recall correctly, yeah, yeah.
1: So like, there, a loss is going to happen. Like, and Maryland last year, I don't think they lost a single game they shouldn't have lost. Like, not one. Uh, they lost some road. They they got blown out in some road games, but no one was ex- going to Indiana or even going to Iowa. Like, that's not an expected win. Um, mm-hmm. So so it's going to be weird to, to go from from that last year uh, to this year where. Uh, they're going to be expected to win basically every game, even though they have a really hard Big Ten schedule. But fans are going to be upset if they they go to Iowa and lose or if they go to Michigan and lose. Um, That's not going to fly this year. Um, And and in terms of leadership, I I don't – I mean, Tez Wells was the guy last year. He wasn't the best player on the team. I think that was still Trimble. But if he wasn't the best player, he was the second best player. And even when he was injured for a good month, he was still the leader on the team. He was still on the bench in his cap, leading the team in in huddles. Um and Turgeon has said that that's that you know, that's a little bit of a concern this year is who's gonna be the leader. He thinks he thinks it's gonna be by committee. He says that Robert Carter's been a, a very vocal, Rashid Suleiman been very vocal, uh Jake Lehman has been more vocal and, and Trimble is a leader by position, as a as the point guard, as the best part on the team. He is a leader in that way and a leader by example, but he's not that fiery guy he's a pretty quiet guy, um so we'll see how that goes like it's like that northwestern game last year when they were down by I think eleven with four minutes to go at home against Northwestern when they were a top ten team uh, that was and they and they came back all the way, and up winning at the buzzer Des wells with a putback um i'm not, I don't know how they, like what if they're down eleven at home to to uh I don't know Nebraska this year. I don't, I don't know who's going to be the guy in the huddle yelling at everybody. He's like, this is what we got to do. Let's go. We can win this game. Um, mm-hmm. I think they'll be fine. I, I I really do. I think they'll be fine. Uh, but that is definitely a question mark going
0: into the season. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I know, um, you know, again, I, I hate to get too off track with Michigan, but there's just a lot of similarities here, but, uh, I, you know, I remember, you know, in that 2012-13 year, you know, that w- those couple of years, you know, John Beeline had kind of rebuilt Michigan. And uh, when the expectations changed, it was amazing because before, you know, the team would lose a tough game and it was like, ah, okay, you know, tough game. But once you have all this talent, you know, people just lose their minds at, you know, being down by five points in a game you end up winning. It's it's crazy. Um, but just, just one point that you made that well, I, ma- I didn't ma- want to –
1: Maryland's oh, second game of the year this year is against Georgetown at home in was probably the most anticipated Maryland game that I can I can remember like ever. Uh, that's a rivalry that should be a yearly rivalry and might be moving forward and if, if they lose that game and freaking Scott Van Pelt has been doing live sports better <laughs> all day from the arena in, and after the game too if they lose that game like fans are going to be really upset and they can still win the national title after losing that game mm-hmm. but that's That's totally in the cards, but that's the kind of game where like you gotta win it. You just there's you have to win this game.
0: Oh yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to watch. Um, But the one point I did want to clarify, we were talking about Duke Uh, in early January. They lost uh, back to back games to North Carolina State and Miami. Uh, North Carolina State did, I believe, make the Sweet Sixteen, but neither team. They
1: blew them out, didn't they? Excuse me. Didn't North Carolina State blow them out?
0: Uh, looks like they won by 12. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I, I didn't look at the the score chart, but, uh, but yeah, they lost back-to-back games and, you know, may not sound the worst, but you know, for a national championship team, uh, I remember when people were like, Oh man, is Duke going to be able to get back on track? So that'll be something interesting to watch this year, uh, for Maryland. But, but one thing you, you did start talking about, and I did want to get to briefly, uh, is the schedule. um, the Big Ten schedule, relatively predictable. Uh, I think everybody at this point realizes it's going to be stacked. Virtually every game is going to be difficult. I think uh, 14 of your 18 games for almost all the teams are going to be against, like, top 100 Ken Palm teams. It's going to be tough. Um, but the non-conference schedule, Maryland has some interesting games. You brought up the Georgetown one. Uh, they had a huge matchup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which some are rating as one of the best non-conference games of the entire year. Uh, what do you expect at a non-conference play? Do you think this is a good schedule given where the roster is and the teams expected to be? And uh, I guess just what are your uh, thoughts on the non-conference schedule? I think it's good. Um, I think it's it's if this was like
1: the third year in a row that Maryland was supposed to be really good, I think it'd be a little bit disappointing. But since it's sort of their first big year, I think it works out really well. There's I count three really big games. There's, there's Georgetown at home. At North Carolina, and there's UConn at Madison Square Garden, which I bought tickets to yesterday because uh, I live in New York. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> so, and then they also play, play play what should be a pretty good Princeton team in Baltimore, uh, but it it, it works out pretty well because they have some buffer games. Like they start with Mount Saint Marys, and then they play Georgetown, and then they play Ryder, who's not going to be good, and then they go to their Cancun tournament and play um Illinois State who should be pretty good. Um and then they play the winner of TCU in Rhode Island. And Rhode Island is supposed to be pretty good too. So that those are two two teams who they should beat but who aren't cupcakes by by any means. Um and they play Cleveland State who's bad. And then they go to North Carolina. And then they play Saint Francis who's bad. And then they play Connecticut. So there's 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 kind of Get well games between every all the big games, but there are also enough big
0: games to get them ready for the Big Ten season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I kind of agree. You know, for where Maryland's expected to be, which again, I kind of want to wait on the prediction stuff. I think this is a little bit of a soft schedule, and it, a lot is built into that. The North Carolina game is the only one that you know really stands out. Um, in my opinion, but but I mean, you do have the rivalry game with Georgetown. You know, you get a and Georgetown should, should be a, be a top twenty-ish team. hmm Yeah, and, and Connecticut and looks and Connecticut top, too. You know, yeah, top twenty-five-ish. You know, top thirty-ish. You know, somewhere receiving votes. Um, but you know, you know, even Rhode Island. Rhode Island looks like a. Uh, you know, it's not a guaranteed game, but they could play them in Cancun. Uh, they look to be a a solid team. So I mean, there are a, a lot of solid matchups. I do think you know. For a what should be a top five team in Maryland, I, I think I would have liked you know one or two more you know big big games, but but still, I mean, there are challenges here. There are games to build the resume. Um, you really can't complain too much. And and you know as as we talked about earlier, the Big Ten schedule is going to be stacked. Maryland's going to have plenty of challenges. Yeah. The, uh, the, the
1: <laughs> truth is, whoever wins the Big Ten is going to be a one seed. Like that's. Oh yeah. They just they just all. Yeah. Are. So. So it's sort of like like I look to make like a football comparison like like people get on Baylor for their schedule and they should they have a terrible out of conference schedule, but if Baylor goes undefeated and wins the Big Twelve they're going to be in the college football playoff they just mm-hmm. are, and mm-hmm. so their their schedule is bad on purpose for a reason they just have to go undefeated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I mean you know as we said you know the Big Ten I I was actually again, I I don't want to get off track, but, uh, um, I was doing, uh, my Purdue preview that, that posted today on BT powerhouse. And, and one of the crazy things is Purdue's last eight games, uh, in big 10 play, um, six of them are against top 25 Ken Pom teams. And the lowest rated team is Maryland at 24, which, um, I did want to ask about, so I'll save that. But, uh, uh, who's very, very likely underrated at 24. So, really, they're yeah, going to have six there, of eight games. There's an explanation
1: for that, though. There,
0: mm-hmm. There's a pretty Yeah, if you want to get into that. that for
1: a second. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so, Ken Palm, who I love, uh, does not take into account transfers, and Maryland's um, two of their best players and their backup point guard are all transfers. Um, And then they also uh, – Ken Tom and I was really kind of digging into the reasoning behind it because obviously Maryland's on the 24th best team in the country. There's just there's not no one who who knows anything about college basketball thinks that he. Has, but he has a formula, and that formula spits out Maryland as a top as top, the 24th best team going to the country. And I love Ken Tom, but his preseason stuff has a lot of flaws in it. Um, mm-hmm. There's one the transfers thing. Two, he only really takes into account um, like top. 50 top 25 uh, recruits, anyone outside of it doesn't really register on the formula, um, and he also goes into like like history, like the last five years of a team's um, yeah. of a team's record. And Maryland had one good year in the last five years, uh, and and there's a reason behind it. Like like he explains, if we were to project the Big 12 season in 2025, I could reasonably assume that Kansas is going to be really good and TCU is going to be pretty bad. And that's a, that's a good point. Um, and Maryland also benefited from winning a lot of close games last year. I think they were twelve and one in close games, uh, which Ken Palm, with and hit not just Ken Palm, but his his algorithm sees as a little bit lucky, or a lot lucky. They were the luckiest power five team in a number of years by his formula, and uh, and and so he's they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt in terms of that. Um, but to look at, I mean, it, it'll it'll self-correct. Like if Maryland beats Georgetown, mm-hmm. and if they go, if they beat UNC or or even play well against UNC, they'll be right up in the top ten. I, I'm not worried about a lot of Maryland fans are very upset, but the what Maryland fans are <laughs> very upset didn't take the time to read and to look into what is behind the rankings.
0: By the way, one of those mm-hmm. Maryland fans is very upset. is Scott Campbell. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and 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 I guess that that was my my big point. I mean, Purdue is going to play six of their last conference games against top twenty-five Ken Palm teams, and considering you know what you just brought up, which I completely agree with, that Maryland is underrated in their formula. There's really no way around it; they just are. And you know, I, I don't think Ken Palm should necessarily change his formula over it, but you know, it's something no, that you're going to have to live you're going to have to live with for a couple of weeks. You know, it's just how the numbers are going to work, but. But so in reality, Purdue has six of eight games against what should be top 20 teams, which is like, that's that's like an NCAA championship run type of schedule. Like, it's just in conference play. So, I mean, I think that gives people an idea of just how tough it's going to be this year. Um, and Maryland, you know, coming in with such high expectations should have plenty of huge wins uh, in conference play. But, but with that... Why don't we uh why don't we jump into what everyone's always waiting for? Uh season predictions. Uh where do you see Maryland this year? In the Big Ten, nationally, um I would ask postseason, but I'm pretty sure you're gonna break the NCAA tournament. Uh so I guess what do you think they're gonna do there? Um what do you see out of the Turps this year? All right. Um, so
1: I wanna point out that last year I came on the podcast and I said that I could see Maryland anywhere from <laughs> Uh, like the 10th best team in the conference to the third best team in the conference. And I even made an argument for why they could be the third best team in the conference. And you were not really buying it. They ended up being the <laughs> second best team in the conference.
0: So mm. I am not
1: a homer. I mean, I, I am a homer. But I, I'm trying to be to be um, reasonable here. Um, I think they're going to lose to UNC at UNC. Uh, I think they're going to win the rest of their non-conference game. And I think they're going to go... Thirteen and three in wait thirteen no what would it be thirteen and five, no five no, right, I think they're gonna go fifteen and three in conference wow. um, I think they're gonna lose at Indiana, I think they're going to lose maybe at Purdue, and uh they're gonna lose another one like a silly game in there, like maybe at Michigan or maybe at Iowa or something. did they play at Iowa? I'm looking into. I haven't really looked at the full schedule. Maybe at Michigan State, this game is definitely. You know, let's say four lost in conference, um, fourteen and four in conference, that would be what twenty-eight and five. Does that sound right?
0: Twenty-nine uh, and five. So. I don't know. Something yeah. like that. Really good record.
1: <laughs> I think they're going to have the same record they had last year, which uh, twenty-eight wins. Uh, but I think they're going to be a lot better, twenty-eight wins, and I think they're going to end up being a one or two seed in the tournament. Um, and I think they're going to go to at least the Elite Eight, and then once you get to the Elite Eight, it's really just a matter of, of who knows what. Once you get there, um, I'll say the Final Four, just because why not? I like to predict on the on the on the better side, um, but I think if they got to the Elite Eight and didn't and, like if they got like it's Arizona, if I got to the Elite Eight what, three straight years. Like no one's saying Arizona has been a failure the last three years. I mean, some crazy people probably. But uh once you get to Elite eight, it's just a matter of matchups and uh and I think I think they're gonna end up going to the final four. I don't think they're gonna win the national championship, but I think they're gonna go to the final four.
0: Yeah, I mean, um Well oh, and, and I think uh, I think they're gonna win the Big Ten. I should have said I think they're gonna win the Big Ten. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean uh I, I, I think, you know, they're really you know, the basic point I think you have to start out with when you evaluate Maryland is Roster-wise, from top to bottom, they are clearly the most talented team in the Big Ten. I mean, you can debate whether that fits together the best, but there really isn't any debate right. that it's every the most other, talented every team. Every
1: other team in the Big Ten
0: has a, a, a very obvious and very real hole or, or flaw.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Maryland doesn't have a clear one. You know, maybe one will develop, you know, who knows? Maybe Diamond Stone is overhyped, or, or maybe Robert Carter is just, practice talk but like there and if, isn't and if a no, clear
1: injured <laughs> and if trouble gets injured there everything is on the table
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and it's just but when you just start with that realizing that they're the most talented team and frankly i'm not even sure how close it is to be honest i i do think it's going to be close and competitive because i think you know if, if you're talking about you know michigan state competing with them obviously you know they have an outstanding coach in tom Izzo. You know, there are a lot of great coaches, uh, you know, there are a lot of great players in the Big Ten, but this is the most talented team, and I think when you start with that perspective, it's just, you have to think of a reason not to pick them to win the Big Ten, and for me, I, I can't as of now, I, I just can't, you know, they, they're the best team in the Big Ten, you know, maybe, unless something really goes against expectations or predictions, I just, I really can't see anyone beating them, you know, I do think it's going right. to be a little closer than something, you know. Because I I just think generally, you know, everyone comes in, like last year with Wisconsin, you know, everybody comes in with this expectation, you know, they're just going to blow everybody out of the water. But usually the big time comes down to a game or two. It's just kind of how it unfolds.
1: Maryland's last game is at Indiana, which, Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: could end up, like, being the conference championship game. Like, that's that's how close I think it might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... Which, as a side note, the Big Ten does a great job at setting up the final weekend of games, by the way. Uh, they always have some great showdowns uh, the last weekend. But but um, with that point aside, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be close. But I think ultimately Maryland's going to come out on top. I think the talent's going to win out. And, you know, one of the big things is, you know, we were talking about, you know, especially in this year's Big Ten, you can lose on any given night. But but they're just going to out-talent some of these teams. You know, when they face a Northwestern or they face, uh, you know, a Nebraska, I I know those are sort of the bottom teams, but, uh, or in Illinois, you know, they're just going to out-talent them and win. So, I mean, I definitely, I'm picking them to win the Big Ten. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I'm picking them to win the Big Ten. And then I think, you know, for the postseason, uh, I expect them to be a one or a two at the lowest uh, in the tournament. And I think, uh, you know, just given that, you kind of have to pick them to the Elite Eight, <laughs> just on principle. Um, but, yeah, you know, as you said, I, I think this team absolutely has enough talent to not only make the Final Four, but win it all. Um, I know in my my preseason rankings, I had them number one overall in the country. Um but we'll see. I mean, the final – somebody always gets hot, so who knows in the final four. Sure. But, uh, I mean, M- M- yeah. Maryland, beat M- Maryland beat Michigan State twice during the regular season, and Michigan State went to the final four, and Maryland lost the second round. So so it's
1: mm-hmm. really hard to getting a tournament. When, when I do predictions, I really like to say, like, what this team could do and, like, mm. what would be an, a, an acceptable expectation because it's so hard when they get to the tournament to actually predict what's going to happen in the tournament. Like, it's hard enough <laughs> when you have the bracket in front of you.
0: To
1: do it. Yep, yep. Uh you can how, how are you going to do it in uh in October. But you're right. I mean, Maryland is the best is the best team in the in the Big 10. They might be the most talented team in the country. Uh they certainly I think have the highest upside in the country. Um uh, I mean, this is a team where if we look back 5 months from now I don't know how 5 months from now and they just just ran through their schedule, like it wouldn't be that big of a surprise. Like if, if no. Stone is a real five-star recruit and if Mellow Trimble is one of the best point guard in the country and if, if Jake Lehman is hitting 45% of his threes and Stone is one of the best rim protectors in the country um, and Rasheed Suleman is one of the best perimeter defenders in the country, which something we didn't even talk about. I mean, that's, I think, what Rashid Suleman is going to bring to Maryland. The, the biggest is he's going to be their best defender on the perimeter. Um they could be the best. Like they might be the easily the best team in the country. Now, I want. I don't want to say that now because there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of new pieces to, to integrate. But they really could be. I mean, I mean, Michael Tchaikovsky, who's not going to play a ton for Maryland, will probably be the best big man on like a handful of Big Ten teams.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, and, and just to kind of put that in again, you know, I, I think the one thing that I'm I'm trying to you know separate here too is that. You know, talent does not equal wins. You know, there's coaching, there's who plays well on a given night. You know, there's a lot of factors besides talent. But when you're talking, you know, pure talent, uh, I, I don't think, at least for me, I don't think it would be that shocking for any player in Maryland's starting lineup to be second team, all Big Ten, or better. Um, now, I'm not oh, saying yeah. at all that mm-hmm. at all that's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me, any of these guys, to get to that. When you're thinking about that way, you know, normally uh, a Big Ten team that wins a championship has, like, three guys in that category. And Wisconsin, or uh, Maryland could have, like, five. So, I mean, yeah, w- it was Wisconsin sexy.
1: last year was what? Wisconsin was, what, the best Big Ten team in, in how long last year? I mean, they were really – they were, might have been one of the oh, best years. Big Ten teams ever. Like, mm-hmm. they were a fantastic, fantastic team. Uh, they had Kaminsky, obviously, that was the, the best player in the country last year. Uh Nigel Hayes was very, very good. Um, uh, uh, Sam Decker was very, very good. And then they had a bunch of pretty good. players. Mm
0: -hmm. That
1: makes a really good team. Um, but, but Maryland has, like you said, like even a guy like Jared Nickens, like Jared Nickens, if he took a big leap this year, like he might be the best shooter in the conference. Uh, Mm -hmm. if, if, if Diamond film could be the, could be the big 10 defensive player of the year, uh, Diamondstone could be the freshman of the year. Mel Triple like is the preseason best uh, um big ten player of the year. I think Diamond is a big ten freshman of the year too. Um mm-hmm. like these like you said, like they're they are legitimately eight to ten deep. Like that is that's not something you see in, in college basketball.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and the the thing too to stress as well is, you know, uh I know there's a lot of new pieces, you know, you're talking about Solomon Carter and stone, you know, we don't know for a fact what we're, what Maryland's going to get out of these guys, but they're also not, you know, stone is unproven, but Carter's not unproven. He's played before. He has a couple years under his belt. You know, Solomon obviously has a lot of experience from Duke. So, I mean, even then, you know, there's a good mix of experience both on this roster and from elsewhere uh, to kind of balance out that talent. So it's, I definitely think this is the front-runner for the Big Ten. Um, I don't know if I would say I would be shocked if they lost, um, but I'd be shocked if they didn't finish at least uh, in the top two or three in the conference for sure. Um, That would be be a major disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Um, But with that, yeah, I I think that's about it on Maryland. Um, Andrew, thanks for joining us, though. Any final thoughts here on on Maryland, on the Big Ten, on I guess the – the Final Four quest uh, for Maryland this year. I mean, I, I am at the same time incredibly excited and incredibly anxious about this year.
1: Uh, I've never gone into a sporting like a season of a sports team I root for with this much like ex- expectations, like not one time. Uh, so I don't really really know how to handle it. Uh, and I, I'm really, I mean, I am like counting down the days so they have an exhibition against now against Southern New Hampshire a week from today.
0: So
1: I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. And uh, I hope Maryland doesn't disappoint.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Andrew, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Um, and again, everyone, that was Andrew Emmer from Testito times. That is SB nations, Maryland site. Uh, he does a lot of recruiting stuff for them. A lot of great basketball coverage and um, Testito times. If you are interested in Maryland at all, is is the place to go besides us obviously. (laughs) But uh they have a lot of great coverage, you know, not just basketball but football. I know they're doing a lot with uh the Randy Etzel firing um for the for the football team. But but yeah, overall um kind of general observations, you know, Maryland's roster, I I don't want to say this, you know, for the fifteenth time, but it's stacked. It's talented from top to bottom. There are backups, there are big freshmen coming in. There are newcomers coming in. There are proven players. It. This is a roster you look at as a fan, you know, if you're a Terp fan and get very, very excited. Um, I think it is the best roster in the country. Having said that, I don't necessarily think it will ultimately be the best team in the country because, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there are going to be matchups. There are going to be coach, you know, other coaches. There's a, there's a lot that goes into a season other than just roster talent. But having said that, this roster's loaded. I expect them to win the Big Ten. I expect them to be in serious contention for a Final Four run. And I think it's going to be a, a banner year <laughs> uh, for the Terps this year. But but overall, uh, that's our podcast on Maryland. We'll have uh, continued uh, Big Ten preview coverage on BT Powerhouse over the next couple of weeks. I am Thomas Bendit, the manager of BT Powerhouse. You can check me out on Twitter, at tbe. I n d i t, T Bendit, and uh, look forward to uh, having hearing you guys on here next time. Thanks, bye.